All right, um, we're back after an unscheduled interruption of internet for a week. Um, so if you would like to pick up where we think we left off. <laughs> sure, yeah. So first of all, I thought this background was way better than my house. <laughs> yeah, it looks uh, really nice. <laughs> yeah, this is this is my back deck. And uh, what I watched oh, wow. the little... Um, like snippet piece that you had posted on Instagram and I was like yeah why did I choose my house it needs a paint job so like why would I do that <laughs> the, the light looked good uh, though it was fine yeah and it actually sounded really good too so that's good okay well that's good so I thought well the background of this one is much prettier and this is what I <laughs> enjoy most about where I live so yeah uh, I don't get many opportunities uh, to sit back here as much as I would like because I'm so busy so when I do get back here I'm always reminded how grateful I am for uh where I'm at so <laughs> um yeah uh speaking of where I'm at I I don't remember um all of our conversation because we got a little I got a little discombobulated with the internet stuff but um the time I spent in the military there there we I talked about a lot of the stuff that wasn't always positive, but I think one of the things that I valued most about my time was um the friendships that I made that were ended up being more like family um and I don't know. I can't speak to what it's like to be spend your 20s and 30s in the civilian world. Uh, all I know is the military life, but um, there's something extra special about that life um, when it comes to the friendships and the bonds that you form. Um, and I, I mean, I have a, a couple handfuls of friends that I could for sure call up and say, you know, hey, I, I need you. Um, or I yeah. need a shoulder or, um, I need to, um, tell you something exciting. Um, and so I think that that was probably the best, um, takeaway that I had from that time, but also there's a lot of stuff that I didn't realize that the military taught me until I started, um, getting into a uh, small business. And, um, there was a lot of trials and tribulations to get started on a brick and mortar store for sure. Oh um, yeah, I could imagine. And, um, you know, uh, military life, there's, everyone jokes about the hurry up and wait. Uh, I discovered that it went, when it comes to dealing with um, permits and the um, county and the state regulators and contractors and everyone else, it's also hurry up and wait. <laughs> Yeah, it's give me your money now and then wait months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was, um, I guess for me, it was no surprise when that's what I ended up encountering. And so I had a lot of people that were kind of, when I started this process, I created a social media profile for um, the cafe so that the local community could keep up with what was happening. And uh I got a lot of people tell me, they're like, I don't know how you have the patience to do all of this. And uh, the standard answer was, I've been preparing for this for the last 24 years of my career. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm literally trained to wait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that, that helped a lot. Um, 
how did I uh, start the process? Um, I It was kind of a wing and a prayer, to be honest. Um, I really uh, look back that it's been um, four and a half years ago now. And I look back and I think how naive I was uh, to the whole process and how much I've learned since then. Um, mm-hmm. I, so I guess going into stuff a little bit naive does help. <laughs> um, my grandma said, uh, my my grandma used to say, uh, sometimes it pays to be sort of the happy idiot <laughs> if you don't really know <laughs> what's real. going on. So um, when I started it, I was full of excitement and um, uh, curiosity and all of the positive things. Um, and so I was blind to see how hard it was going to be. So once I started getting into the process, um, you know, you always hear about it, but for some reason, you never really listen uh, when you're starting any anything, whether it be a, a home remodel or a, opening a business. It's always over budget and double the time mm-hmm. it takes. And that's exactly what happened. I spent a lot of time crunching numbers to see you know, how I was going to do everything. And a hundred percent, it came out double what I had planned for it to come out, even after lots of research and lots of hours spent online looking up stuff and talking to, you know, um, other business owners. I I actually went to a couple other, not necessarily in my county. I kind of went farther out and talked to other cafe owners and got feedback from them and um uh just kind of just kept going you get to a point where you can't stop you have to finish uh yeah. even though it might feel like you want to stop because it gets hard it gets scary it gets uh expensive um and you and I got to a point where I mean a lot of tears were shed and the, uh, it took 18 months from the time that we signed the lease to the time that we opened the doors um because of wow uh, mostly permitting process. It was a real estate office first. So we had to start from scratch. We had to gut the whole place, which I, um, do not recommend. (laughs) Um, uh, but again, that was one of those things where I just didn't know any better. So I just went with it. Um, but, uh, I, we had to sort of piecemeal the way, um, we did not do any loans, which was um, one of the things that the other entrepreneurs that I talked to said, don't get yourself in debt doing it. Um, uh, and honestly, the only way that I could have done it was to the credit of my husband because he um, divested some of his investments and savings and helped, um, you know, in every way that he could to try to make sure that, um, you know, those are, those are investments that he made before we got married. So that was, yeah. Um, something that I, I think it's one of the reasons why I work so hard now is because I know like he believes in me and he supports me and, um, him doing that was, is not lost on me. So it's a huge, you know, it's a, the reason that I'm sitting here and I mean, he'll tell you that the reason I'm sitting here is because of me, but um, I couldn't have done it without, you know, his 
daily support of just encouragement, but also the very beginning financially, it was huge. And um, he took a chance on, on my dream. So um, if you yeah, can I think do every, it. Sorry, I think every business owner needs like that intrinsic motivation beyond wanting to make money and, you know, for you sell people coffee, like you have to have that something that keeps you going. And that's awesome. Yeah, um, you you need it every day, whether it be the support of friends, family, you know, in my case, I have a great customer base um, that's, you know, encouraging all the time. I have a lot of people that watched me go through the process and still come in all the time and say that they're thankful that we're there because we do kind of live in the middle of nowhere. And so having something... Um, here and close by is you know a lot of people appreciate that but that definitely yeah. keeps me working harder to to not let everyone down you know yeah did you sell coffee like while you were waiting on your business to be built or you just little you couldn't do any you didn't do any sales in the meantime or what did you do during that break I wasn't allowed to. You, you could give stuff away, but I didn't have anything really set up. I know there's a lot of people out there in the coffee business that will start with like a little cart. Um, mm -hmm. And to be honest, had I had I known it was going to take as long as it did, I probably would have done that too. I I was on my head was on a six month timeline, and I thought, well, you know, I just spent 24 years in the military. I wanted to. Um, be doing the building of the shop in the background while I enjoyed my kids. Um, and then, you know, halfway through the 18 months is when I thought, oh, I should have done, I should have done something a little bit more. Uh, yeah. But I did, I did get, um, you know, lots of opportunities to, to do things with my kids that I really didn't get a chance to do prior to that. And then COVID hit. So, I mean, then it was kind of like, well, I'm glad we weren't open right when COVID hit because it was a very confusing time for everyone. Um, but then when we got the okay to open, it was terrifying because we were in the middle of COVID. And I mean, that mm -hmm. was in June of 2020. So um, everybody was like, oh, it's going to be over by the time winter hits and it'll be fine. <laughs> So. It was never over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a time to be alive, huh? <laughs> it was nuts. Like, you got out at the perfect time. Anyone I talked to that retired in, like, 19 or 20, they are so thankful they retired when they did because they just, it, it was nuts. It was It was madness. <laughs> Yeah, some of the stories that I've heard from people, you know, my my old coworkers on stuff that they were having to deal with and you know, I I don't I don't um dog on, you know, all of the decisions that the military makes because I, it's a it's a bigger than me, right? But sometimes yeah. I look at and I watch some of the stuff they were going through and I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, I, yeah, like I understand the decisions that they made and the like precautions they took to not, you know, they still had a job to do. Like they can't just let all of us quarantine for a month. Like it doesn't work that way. And, yeah. um, 
but it was rough, like, especially because every five days the policy would change and um, it would be like, you need to quarantine because you were within six feet of someone uh, for more than 15 minutes, but you were only with them for 13 minutes, so you don't have to quarantine. And it was just like, but then the next week it was like, all of you just put a mask on and go to work. And um, it was just so frustrating. It was, uh, it was really hard to keep up with. And then like me being the person writing the schedules and everything, everyone was like, you literally just told me yesterday that this is what we do. And I was like, yes, I understand, but this is the new rule. And they're like, this is stupid. And I was like, I agree with you, but you still have to do it. (laughs) Oh yeah. yeah, I uh, can only imagine. Wow. And it was probably, we did like quarantine protocol for like 18 months, I think. It was a lot, yeah. Well, kudos um, to everyone that stuck through that and and managed to survive it. I I think that yeah. um, I know of a couple people that ended up getting discharged because they didn't want the vaccine and mm-hmm. and now it's not required. And like, wow, yeah. it's just what life changing events happened. <laughs> oh, absolutely. My brother um, is in the Army National Guard, and it was a big big fuss over there about it and now it's nothing um and then i couldn't imagine being on i forget which aircraft carrier it was that was had a huge breakout um and then they all had to pull into guam and they took over like every hotel in guam so that they could quarantine their sailors because the did you hear about that i didn't no wow um captain oh i think his last name is crozier brett or brad Crozier he's like a hero in the navy every sailor loves him because he was basically a whistleblower he um released like a press statement without the navy's like the higher up navy's approval saying like we need help like covid is taking over because when you're on a ship like you're all breathing each other's air and it's three thousand people five thousand on a carrier i think like just they had like half the ship had COVID and they were like, we need to quarantine our people. And so he released like a news article about it and it blew up on um, like social media and everything. And obviously throughout the whole Navy. Um, So the ship pulled into Guam, every sailor got their own hotel room and they were quarantined. And um, then they went back on the ship and COVID broke out again and they had to do it again. So then I can't believe I missed that. Wow. Oh, it was insane. Yeah. And a few people that I was stationed with um, were on that and seeing them like vent on Facebook. No one had any like filter when it came to complaining about that. It was nuts. And um, the captain got relieved of duty, um, probably retired. I'm not quite sure. And he ended up writing a book about um, that situation and like. Um, just leadership in general, standing up for what you believe, even though it might get you in trouble. And yeah, so yeah, everyone loves him <laughs> in the Navy. <laughs> wow, or at least the crazy. enlisted. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I can imagine. Yeah, that mm-hmm. I. It sounds like that was the right decision. That's um, that's what integrity looks like, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also I think there's a line between like getting the mission accomplished and then if you don't have any sailors to accomplish the mission or just service members in general, like what's the point? Like you can take 
two weeks to get COVID through everyone's system and uh, it didn't work, but um, yeah, that was rough. So then the carriers that deployed after that did seven to 11 months straight on the ship. They, and then they had to quarantine. They would check into a hotel before they would go onto the ship for deployment and then quarantine and they'd have to test negative and then they could, they could go straight to the ship. Um, and then they weren't allowed to leave and they stayed out on the water for the entire deployment. Oh God. And that sucked. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm glad I wasn't there. No I was just working a lot. Yeah. You know, I remember, I, you know, I remember thinking about, um, like I, I used to have a couple of friends that I knew through other people that were on the nuke subs. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking about, I wonder what they're doing because that's like intense. So yeah, I, I, I can't believe I missed that. Oh, I couldn't imagine doing a submarine or even we call them small boys, like any of the ships that aren't an aircraft carrier or an amphib, which is like a baby carrier. Um, Cause you at least have space and like fresh air to roam around in, but yeah. on those small, like a destroyer or a cruiser, you don't really have the space like that. Um, that would be miserable. Well, thank goodness that those guys are had somebody. <laughs> yeah. Well, things are back to normal now for the most <laughs> part. I think that's good. Yeah. Um, I, we went way off topic, but going back to starting <laughs> your business and how you didn't have any, um, like you didn't seek any financial assistance. Did you ever look into like the grants that they offer uh, military business owners, especially like female or I did. I connected with the SBA, the veterans um, branch of the SBA. Mm-hmm. And um, basically what I got told was, is unless you're getting into government contracting, um, there's not, there's really not anything out there. Um, and the advice I got from the person that I was talking to basically said, your best bet is to take out a second mortgage because there's not much else out there for you. So I think, um, you know, again, I hate dogging on it because it wasn't always negative, but, you know, I spent a whole week in the transition assistance program, the TAPS, that we're Mm -hmm. required to do before you leave. And I don't feel like the people that were in our class, I can't speak to other TAP programs, but um, the people that went in our class, I don't think that they're as well-informed or educated on things outside uh, military life that they should be to, to like, it, it helps if you can speak the language when you're teaching a class to a group of military people. But um, a lot of the topic of conversation was like how to how to fill out your VA um, disability, how to apply to a GS position, how to get a job on base. Like, there's a lot of stuff that sort of keeps you in that in that military cocoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and there wasn't a whole lot of information out there for people who are not necessarily wanting to stay affiliated with the military once you leave. There's a lot of people that don't 
Um, and so the resources that I got in, uh, you know, five days of a class, none of that really helped me in this part of my life. Um, yeah. and then secondary to that, um, which is, which is why I was so intrigued in being a part of your podcast is, is women veterans do not have enough help or resources out there to help you through that transition, whether it's figuring out the next phase of your life or just figuring out how to be a female veteran. Like there's, there's just, there's a missing piece. And I'm sure that I speak for many. I I know a lot of my friends who've transitioned out, retired, or just got out, whatever the case may be that, um, it you'll be sitting in a conversation with people and it's like everybody feels that and then it takes one person to say something even remotely close to that and you just see everyone's eyes light up and go oh my god I feel that too yeah and there's not a lot of resources out there especially um you know in like smaller towns you know most most people myself included we're not born with a silver spoon in our mouth so when we join the military a lot of people come from small towns. Some of them go back to those small towns when they leave, or they go somewhere where there's not necessarily those military-friendly resources, and they get lost. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, nobody talks about before you leave the military, and I try to talk to some of the young airmen that I still communicate with about kind of giving them a little bit of preparation about what that feels like when you leave, uh, figuring out a new sense of purpose, figuring out your own emotions about your next phase. And I, you know, I mm-hmm. see you shaking your head. I, I, that's what I get all the time is like, yeah. where, where are those conversation pieces? And um, if they do exist, nobody I know knows about them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I love to talk about my business. I love to talk about, you know, how that all happened and, and the exciting part of that. But for me, um, not having somebody there to, to talk to and help me through that transition um, uh, was very difficult. And it made going into this new exciting ende- endeavor, it's already scary, but it made it scarier yeah um for me and i i do hope that someday when i'm not as busy building this business that i can become more involved in stuff like this to help people especially women get through that transition phase cuz i will tell you that it it was about a and maybe covid played a role in that but i would say a solid 2 years before i started feeling like who I was going to be or who I am now versus who I was when I wore a uniform. Yeah. I think, um, do you think women have a harder time like telling people that they are a veteran in general? Yes. Um, well, first thing it's, it's, it is hard in some situations, but it's also kind of an, an annoyance when people don't, my my husband never was never in the military. He's always lived in California. He's, you know, he went to college and then got a job and like he just lived a regular life and um people who know about my business in the local area 
know that it's veteran owned. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would tell you at least 20% of the time when somebody meets us and they know that it's, that it's our business, they will tell him, thank you for his service. Um, I love that. <laughs> just love it. <laughs> and I mean, and then my husband just shakes his head. He's like, it is not me. And so like, I'm, I'm looking forward to a time in our life where people don't make that assumption. Um, but it happens all the time as people assume it's him, um, uh, instead of me and, um, or they're shocked or like, but I will tell you that like, you know, it's a coffee shop. So you're, so we get a lot of like retired, uh, we call it like the old guys club where they come in and yeah. they're, they're drinking their coffee and they're, they're going to solve the world's problems through their conversation, you know, <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> Quite a few of them are veterans, and I think, um, I guess the little shiny bright star in the day is, is a, I have, I earned their respect really early, um, and that was, um, you know, because we shared that service history. They obviously had, you know, served some of them, uh, you know, in multiple other um wars or whatever and uh so I did I did garner respect from them pretty immediately when they figured out that I was the veteran and that was kind of nice and it was almost like we felt there was a sense of camaraderie immediately but yeah if someone doesn't have that military background it's diff more difficult mm -hmm. um so I don't know that I, I I'm not embarrassed to say I'm a veteran I just feel like I don't I think I think regardless if you're male or female, when people thank you for your service, it's always awkward. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, I mm -hmm. for the longest time, I never knew what to say in response. And um, somebody older and wiser than me just said, why don't you just say you're welcome or my pleasure or thank you? <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, because it feels weird. <laughs> um. But I do know that um, being a veteran and then and then like talking to people about it a little bit is difficult because, um, I mean, what do you say to people? What do you? How do you describe what that life was like? And mm -hmm. at the and for most people, they probably don't even really care. <laughs> yeah, you know. I dread that conversation. Like, I think the reason I don't tell people I'm a veteran when I'm like out in public is, um, cause I don't want to talk to you about it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm also like fresh out. So I'm just ready to like move on with my life away and not be associated with the military for a bit. But, um, you know, like, um, in the Navy being a chief is like a really big, like, um, fraternity and, it's a big deal. Like if you see someone wearing like the chief anchor out in town, like on a hat or a pin or something, you you typically would like go up and say like, Hey brother or sister. Or, um, and just kind of create that bond kind of like how, I don't know if you're familiar with like Freemasons, they all mm -hmm. wear it somewhere. And, yeah. um, I just see them and I'm like, Nope, I'm not uh -uh, I'm <laughs> talking to you, but it's also like, 
awkward. Like, do I just go up and be like, hey, brother? Like, <laughs> you know, it's just, um, it's really uncomfortable. And especially being a woman, like I, I see men do it all the time and don't have an issue. But I think that everyone, it's still like human nature for people to see a woman, regardless of like a chief or just even a veteran to be like, yeah, I was in the military too. And you almost have to like convince them that you were and they oh, have to like I, do yeah. a double take. Yeah. I and can it, appreciate if a guy that. said it. Yeah. If a guy said it, it would just be, they would just take it, but you have to work like a little harder to prove that you were a veteran. And I just would rather not, I don't have anything to prove. Yeah. I'm on the same page. I think, I think the, the other part of that is, is I don't want to, answer the dumb questions that get asked uh I've been asked you know oh what were you were you a nurse you know it's like this is not it's not 1941 yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) it's like they just you know and I mean I think if they're if if it's someone who's never affiliated with the military I give them a little bit of 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 understanding because they Mm -hmm. just if you don't know anything about the military or you haven't been around the military, it's probably yeah. awkward to like have that conversation anyway. But mm-hmm. for me, yeah, I don't, um, people, people are shocked to find out that, uh, the last time I was on a military installation was my retirement ceremony. I haven't yeah. stepped foot on it since. Wow. Um, I just, it's not that I don't want to, it's just I have zero needs or desires. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to shop at the commissary because I have great grocery stores that are literally down the street from me. I don't yeah. need to go to and the, the base. The commissary is not that good. <laughs> it's not. No, I mean, it's not worth it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not worth it. Um, but uh yeah so i mean it's not that i'm not i'm not ashamed of it but i also don't necessarily just like you i don't really need to conversate about it necessarily unless mm-hmm. it's someone who i know has a shared interest or history then like you and i we can talk about it because we i bet we can say like something completely off the wall and we would probably be able to uh, non-verbally communicate in a way that yeah. other people can't. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's definitely, um, like, a. even though we're in completely different branches, I have no experience with the Air Force at all. Um, and I just know that, like, we just say that y'all are spoiled all the time and get hotels <laughs> while we get tense the the Um. navy gets the best bases though you guys have the best you guys have the best like uh we called it the bx it was the nex right you guys have the best uh, stuff uh really yeah yeah Hmm. uh we do have the better food i will say i've been on i've i've uh deployed on um army bases and I don't wish that on anyone. <laughs> oh, no. The Army no. is just, they aren't even in the competition. God, I, I always, when somebody tells me they were in the Army, I just say, I'm so sorry. Only, uh, not not a dog on them. It's because I feel like they don't treat their people well, at least from my no. perspective. No, not at all. Um, 
they should have be treated seen... much better. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Have you seen the, um, there's like a YouTube video or there's so many videos about it now, but there was a YouTube video that went viral several years ago about comparing the different branches eating, um, their dinner. Oh yeah. I might know which one you're talking about. And it like starts with, um, I don't know, like the air force and they have like a little napkin that they drape over their lap and then gold silverware and then like they ring a bell for a butler or something and then it'll go to like navy and you see the table slide one way and their food goes off the table and then slide the other way and their drink spills um and then army is like just eating as fast as they can and it's like a pile of who knows what uh, and then Marines is just this guy like aggressively eating with his hands or something, and it, or no, he's eating like crayons because that's all Marines do, oh, right? Of course, yeah. Um, yeah. And then yeah. the Army guy is just being like aggressive and um, eating as fast as possible. It was really funny. But I love <laughs> it is, like. It... Go ahead. The inner the inner fighting between the branches. But mm -hmm. anyone from the outside, though, if we, they say something, then I'm a little more like protective. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can. I was telling, um, I was in the car with my parents a few years ago, and I had just finished deploying. And so on my the ship I deployed on was around 1700 Navy, but we brought on 3000 Marines. So they just come and cramp our style like they make our chow lines longer, they eat all of our food, they hog the gym, like, it just makes life miserable, but it's, it's our job to transport them, but it's also our job to like pick on them. Um, <laughs> so I'm in the car with my parents who are very like patriotic. They have the most respect for anyone that's served and they're great people. And I made a joke about Marines. Um, I don't remember. I just called them stupid or crayon eaters or something. And he was like, do you realize that those Marines died for your freedom? And I was like, okay, chill, hold on. Let me just explain. Like <laughs> yeah. I, if someone else were to say something about a Marine, I would stick up for them in a heartbeat. But because I know them, I get to pick on them just like they're my little sibling. But if someone, oh, sure. if someone else picks on them, then I'm fighting them. <laughs> like a hundred percent. Yeah. My cousin yeah. was a Marine. Or, or he is a Marine. I, I guess they're never not a Marine. But yeah. Uh, and when we would go home for like Christmas or something, it only happened. I think we only were able to both be home at the same time, like twice in both of our careers. But, you know, I'd walk in the door and he would say, what's up, Chair Force? And I would say, what's up, Bullet Sponge? And like, <laughs> you know, it's the worst thing to possibly say. But again, it it's is. one of those things that you can only say to each other. And, you know, oh, absolutely. It's definitely a brother and sisterhood, uh, no matter what branch you serve in. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I, there's a lot of things that aren't so great, but there's also, like I said before, there's also something special about having mm -hmm. been a part of that, that is, you know, um, I don't even know what the percentages are even, but when I, when I was in, it was like, you know, 2% of the population understands our language. Mm -hmm. um and can understand like what we might have been through or what we've all done or you know whatever the case may be so i feel um i feel thankful to have been a part of what i was a part of in many ways and it was it's the people that it's the people the reason why yeah. 
Um, so I, I appreciate that part of it. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, you know, I left the Navy for a few reasons, but you know, you, when you're on your way out, you just think about all the bad times. And I was, um, I think about three months out from my separation date and I just started to panic, like, Oh my God, what am I doing with my life? Is this the right decision? And, um, just thinking about like, do I really want to reenlist? Like it would be safe. And, Mm -hmm. um, then, but I had to remind myself of like the negative times and, but you know, now that I'm out and looking back, I remember the good stuff. I miss the fun times and, um, I've made some friends for life. Like all of my, my whole circle are veterans and Mm -hmm. there's no other way I'd rather have it awesome um I had something else I was going to touch on I don't remember um what like advice would you give when you talked about um like women struggling to like find themselves kind of all over again when they leave the military is there anything that like you wish you could tell people when they're out or I guess just advice on what they can do to like ease the shock um you know that's kind of difficult because i think everyone you know everyone leaves the military for various reasons sometimes it's unplanned or it's or it's um you know it's it's a quick transition so in those cases it's a little difficult but if you know that you are going to be not re-enlisting if you're if you know that you're going to be leaving um I guess start figuring out if you have the ability, start building your circle um, outside the base. Um, Which again, it's difficult because some people don't stay where they got out. You know, I stayed and had I really thought about it, I would have started to build my circle before I left. Um, Because I mean, the biggest thing is, is you're, there's two big things that happened when I transitioned. Uh, one of them was I went from being um, uh, an interim squadron superintendent, which, um, you know, I was basically side by side with the squadron commander. And I, so I was important, <laughs> loosely speaking. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I was in a position where people you know, whether they liked me or not, they they had to at least listen to what I had to say. Um, and um, there's a certain way that we all communicate. Um, and going from that to home and not really understanding what my new sense of purpose was. It was difficult because I didn't go right into another job, which probably would have helped somewhat because I would have been able to find a new purpose and a new circle. Um, But I think I've spoken to people who have gotten like civilian jobs, you know, when they left. And even in those jobs, they felt really lonely. Um, Yeah. So sense of purpose and, and loneliness are the two biggest issues. Never mind the you know, dealing with whatever, um, you know, extra stuff that many of us, you know, whether it be PTSD or, uh, which is a good, a good portion of us, 
especially those of us who've, you know, lived through the conflict that we've lived through the last 20 years. Um, uh, and then just like preparing yourself for um, what that transition looks like for each person. Try to try to build your circle. Try to educate yourself on what what resources are out there. Um, I would not recommend. I don't personally. This is this is only my personal experience. The resources that you need are not on base. They're not the people on base only know the life that you know. Yeah. So they can't, you know, if you have somebody that's telling you what the transition into the civilian life looks like and they still work on base, they don't know what it's really like. It, they can't, they don't have the same understanding. You need to talk mm -hmm. to people who are not affiliated with the base um, or have been distant enough for a long enough time to have figured that stuff out. Those are the people yeah. that you need to talk to about figuring out how to do that transition. Um, yes, there are lots of resources on base. We get that drilled into our head all the time about you have all these resources. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of look at it from the same perspective of the psychologists out there that write books and tell you how to raise children and they don't have children. <laughs> it's like, you can't, you know, before I had kids, there's no way I could have told anybody what it's like to have children. So, yeah. you know, if I would have started speaking to that, you would have thought I was nuts. It's like, what, what do you know about kids? You don't have any, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. What do you know about the transition? You never actually transitioned. Yes, you don't wear the uniform anymore, but you're, you still work on base. You still service military people. You're still around people who speak the same language as you. You need mm -hmm. to talk to people who are away from that because it's a whole nother language you have to learn to speak. And as oh, a absolutely. female veteran, there's also that second piece where I think we talked about this in the last segment where it's like, Put me in a room full of military guys and I can speak the language and I can probably hold a conversation with them just fine. Put yeah. me in a room with civilian women that have different life experiences and I am mute. I have no idea what to say without sounding stupid. Oh, same. Or, yeah. Like, it, that. it's not the same. And so... Mm -hmm. That's why I said that if you find, if you can start working on your circle of, of people, your tribe, if you will, um, yeah. outside the base, that's going to help you probably the most. Mm -hmm. I think um, a, a big reason I started this podcast was because I was like, I need a hobby now because my hobby was photography. And now that that's my full-time job, I am like, I need something to consume my time or I am going to go nuts. Like I don't have a huge friend group here. Most of my friends are veterans or still in the military that all live all over the country. And so most of my communication is digital. And I was like, you know what? Let's make friends with every female veteran that's ran a business before. <laughs> Let's try it. <laughs> um, but I think that, that's so cool. Yeah, um, it's made more work for me, but it's um, kind of like a little passion project. And, you know, no one is 
expecting anything from me and if no one likes it that's fine but it's my hobby and um it's really cool to like just I think like even just interviewing people is helping me like learn how to uh not talk to some talk to someone not in the military even though you're veterans it's you guys have all transitioned too so I completely agree with that, like finding your circle and it can be through a podcast or it can be through, you know, your next door neighbors. Mm -hmm. I, I'm really, I think it's so cool what you're doing. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful to be a part of it. So thank you for inviting me to be a part of it. That was, uh, super cool. Um, the, the other thing is, um, when you, when you shared like that little snippet of the videos on Instagram, that yeah. kind of solidified it a little bit more for me because I was watching it and I thought, I'm so excited to see your other podcasts. Oh, like I want to see and, um, you know, listen to the other women that you've been talking to and like hearing yeah. what they have to say. And then like there was like this little thing in me and I don't I don't I guess it's a pride thing as watching I mean it was what 30 seconds or so long that you yeah, had that not on even there. no but like watching that and I'm watching those women talk and I'm like yeah. their biggest <laughs> cheerleader right now like yeah. I'm looking at it, I'm like yes like it's so cool it gives me kind yeah. of like goosebumps if you will because when I watch other women who are empowered or they are you know, working their dream or they were doing something, um, you know, whether it be out of the norm or they're pursuing something that maybe isn't, you know, what they set out to do, like all of those things. I am so excited when I see other women doing that stuff. And it, it makes like, I feel like we can harness each other's energy and like I said, that 30 second little video you put, I felt a burst of energy just oh, looking good. at it going <laughs> like, you know, without getting emotional about it. But it's like there are other people like me out there that are just putting one foot in front of the other trying to figure this mm -hmm. whole thing out. And mm -hmm. they're doing it like they're rocking yeah. it. And so um, to all the other women you're interviewing uh, here, I got a, you got a fan right here, whatever it is you're doing, uh, uh, good for you. I'm proud of you. Uh, transition from the military is not easy for anybody. Um, and it is a little bit harder for women. So, um, everyone that's going through it, um, good for you of getting through it because, yeah. um, we're a small percentage, 20% of the 2%. Like, think about those numbers. It's not very mm -hmm. big. Um, but it's so also I'm excited like to see what you're doing. Five. Oh, thank you. I think um, we like don't give ourselves enough credit sometimes too, because twenty percent, like that's a big number still. Like if you were in a room with five people, one of them's gonna be a girl, and yeah, you know, it just um, people that don't have experience with the military like don't realize how common it is to have women there in literally like every job now too. It's um, pretty freaking awesome. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. To wrap this up now that we've basically done two episodes, <laughs> your I episode's going to be so long. <laughs> um, sorry to everyone so that has to hear my voice. <laughs> maybe I'll do, <laughs> we'll, we'll just leave it like an extra bonus <laughs> video. <laughs> 
Um, okay, the last two questions I ask everyone are, what advice would you give to a woman that is thinking about joining the military? Um, and then what advice would you give to a woman that is thinking about starting a business? Um, if you're, if you're thinking about joining the military, I, I would say that, um, I only know what, what I was. I was a very, um, shy, meek girl before I joined the military and whether or not I liked it all the time, uh, it made me a strong woman and I'm raising two stepdaughters that I am showing them what a strong woman looks like. Um, uh, I will note their mother has passed away, so it's not like they, their mother's not strong, but she's not here. So, yeah. uh, my experience to the military, good, bad, or indifferent, um, made me strong. Um, so if you are weak, like not weak, but if you are shy <laughs> or timid, silly, if you are shy or timid, like you can still do lots of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can grow and be strong and you can do just about everything anyone else can do. So if you feel Absolutely. passionate about joining the military, um, do your homework, talk to a lot of people, make sure you're joining the right branch mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's best suited for you. Um, and, you know, hopefully you can, you know, uh, come in on a guaranteed job that you want. <laughs> Um, but just do your research, talk to a lot of people, but, um, I wouldn't say not to, because I wouldn't be who I was if I hadn't, but do your homework. Yeah, Um, definitely agree. As far as, um, a woman wanting to start a business, um, it is terrifying, (laughs) um, every single day when you're, um, trying to succeed you're going to have a uh, doubt you're going to have fear um but if you're passionate about whatever it is that you're going to start it's another thing of do your homework um but do it try it um i've said it my whole life you don't know until you try something um and if you fail at least you have your answer if you don't try and you'll never know. Um, so if you're passionate about something, continue to do your homework, find a good support system cause you're going to need it. Um, the second part of that is, is if you are a friend or a family member of somebody who's trying to pursue a dream of starting their business, um, support them and, and, um, encourage them in the same way that you would, shopping at your favorite department store or, you know, in my case, you know, I sell coffee. So I would not, I would not have a coffee business if it wasn't for Starbucks. So it's not like I hate them. Um, but if your friend is opening up a coffee shop, like support their coffee, don't like, yeah, you know, walk in with your Starbucks cup because the, (laughs) It looks so um, nice in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's happened. So, um I'm sure. But, you know, support your friend, um but also the person that's wanting to start the business. 
if someone is telling you things that you might not be thinking about and it's not necessarily encouraging, maybe it feels negative, you should still listen um, because they're going to come at it from a perspective that you might not be thinking about. You have rose-colored glasses because you think, you know, it's going to be so cool. I'm going to start this cool coffee shop that I'm going to be able to invite acoustic people to come play their music. I'm going to have cool art. So like rose-colored glasses is great. And you need that to find your passion. Mm -hmm. But if someone's telling you some things that you might not want to hear, just understand and appreciate that they care about you, that they are just trying to help you. Um, And just listen, whether or not you take their advice or whatever is, you know, it doesn't matter. But just know that it's coming from a good place for them. It's not because they don't support you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I had, I had some family members that would question that were questioning me and I, I did not receive it well because I was so excited and so passionate and it felt like they were popping my balloon. And now when I look back and I think that came from a place of love, Mm -hmm. uh, and support. So, um, do what makes you feel good. Um, even it's going to be scary. It's going to be, um, exciting at the same time but if you do your homework no matter what um and learn 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 all you can and remember that you're always going to be learning yeah um you know it's you can do it (laughs) absolutely um do you have any like I know I said those are my last two questions but because you mentioned learning do you have any like resources or books that you recommend I always love I love reading business books (laughs) Um, so I, I don't, I didn't necessarily have a lot of business books. I mean, I did, there were some coffee related, um, books that I read that were from people Mm -hmm. who did research on that. Um, but I, and this might just have been because of my leadership position in the military, but I really think that a lot of the leadership books that I read, you know, Stephen Covey, um, I, and everyone sort of like him. And then, um, uh, oh my gosh, I'm going to, I forgot. There's a really, really smart, um, you see him everywhere. I'll think of it in a second, but, um, leadership books are important. Um, I think that, um, even if you can, you know, skim through it you may, or listen to it on, on, you know, a podcast. <laughs> um, uh, focusing on leadership is important because unless you are the only person that's going to be working for you in your business, um, learning how to be a good leader to the people that work for you is very important um, because, uh, you know, again, I'm only speaking from my own personal experience. I cannot do my business without my staff. Um, and if yeah. you don't treat them with the respect and appreciation that they deserve, they're going to leave because it's just a job for them. It's your passion. It's your life. And if you don't know how to um, handle that as in a leadership form, you know, a lot of people you always hear you can be it doesn't take much to be a manager, but it takes a lot to be a leader. So finding resources out there that teach you how to be a leader. Um, helps you in in more ways than just managing your staff, but also 
as an entrepreneur, you're going to be dealing with a lot of other entities. You're going to be speaking with utility companies. You're going to be speaking, you know, with landlords. You're going to be speaking yeah. with people at the county, uh, you know, whatever, whatever job or whatever, you know, business you're building, you're going to be speaking to other entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. um, other highly intelligent people and um, being able to know how to communicate with them effectively is going to help oh, yeah. your business. Mm -hmm. And I can speak to the, um, I don't have any like employees cause it's just me. Like I'm the only photographer in my business, but, um, even there are so many leadership lessons that I got from the military that transferred over to running a business because at some point you're going to hire someone to help you and whether or not, like I just, um, recently talked to a bookkeeper and then someone to manage my Pinterest, which is a big deal for having a visual job as um, running a Pinterest account. But, um, and it took me a second to realize like, yeah, these people run their own businesses, but they're going to be my employees. And you have to kind of look at it that way. I, I am paying you to do something to help my business. And, um, even if you aren't looking to hire someone, a lot of leadership books talk about like ownership too. And, um, that's a huge deal. Just like taking extreme ownership over your business and knowing that like you are responsible for the outcome, regardless of the work other people do. Mm -hmm. For sure. Uh, if you haven't read Leaders Eat Last, I think that that is probably the most significant book I've ever read that really honed in on what I thought was important. Because um, I've seen that in in many occasions. Basically, the premise is, is, you know, if you're not willing to make the sacrifice or you're not willing to get down, you know, and clean the toilets, how can you expect anyone else to do that for you? Yeah. You know, you, you show, you show who you are through the things that your, your actions, mm -hmm. we've all had boss, everyone, everyone's been an employee to some, to, to some extent. Yeah. Um, and we've all probably had a crappy boss or a crappy manager. Um, and we all know, uh, you know, we like to affectionately call it pillow talk, right? The people who will say a whole bunch of great stuff, but when, you know, the crap hits the fan and we all got to wipe down the walls, if, if that manager or boss is not helping you with it, then that speaks volumes. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, um, I, and I think just being, <laughs> figuring out how to just be a good person is going to take you really far. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, it's amazing in this day and age when uh, people are more shocked when people are nice to you than they are when they're rude. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, somebody was thankful because, you know, I was nice to them and you're just like, they literally said, thank you for being so nice. And I'm like, and I remember walking away from that going, it is what a wild time to be alive that people have to acknowledge the, the occasion when someone's being nice yeah. versus when they're being, you know, rude or whatever, mm -hmm. any other, any other choice word you want to insert in there. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's sad that that's like the standard now yeah but here we are <laughs> yes <laughs> well thank you it. so much for coming on um it was 
great to finish the episode <laughs> times two. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Okay. Where can people like follow you, your business? Do you have a website? Um, what can you share? And I'll put it in the notes too, but where can people find you online? Sure. Uh, our website is called Java Dream uh, PV, like Penn Valley, um, dot com. Uh, we are Java Dream on Instagram and Facebook. Um, uh, when you Google it, most cases, it's one of the first thing that pops up. So it should be fairly easy to find. Um, and we do uh, ship coffee pretty much anywhere that allows us to ship coffee. There's a few places that we can't because of the, you know, coffee is a is an agricultural product so you have to be there's certain places that we can't send it but um even if you just do a like or a follow we appreciate that um you know help us with the algorithms you know it's always it's always nice when um you can tell that a lot of people have looked at your content um yeah my staff is is pushing hard for me to do a tiktok uh, I'm no good at that, so I kind of let them run with it a little bit. I, this is probably uh, the most anyone will ever see my face when I talk. I hate this part of the business. Um, I like to be in the background making stuff happen. Uh, yeah. In fact, a lot of my content, I tend to show my staff more than uh, anything else. Um, and, of course, you know, our coffee and such. But um being in the forefront like this is a little uncomfortable for me, but I think it's important to try to help. Um, you know, we're just a small cafe. Uh, we did uh, sign a lease on our second one. So I'm hoping oh, that congrats. at least in our little region will be, will be a name that we know at least on our little corner of California. <laughs> that is awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie. Yes. Thank you for care. giving me the opportunity to talk. I appreciate it. It was very nice to meet you. Of course. You too. Bye.